what's up, folks? This is John Lawrence with Anesthesia Guidebook. This is episode 55, How to Be Well During the Pandemic with Matt Zender. This podcast was originally published on From the Head of the Bed on March 17th, 2020, early in the pandemic. Now, here in December 2021, as the pandemic has stretched out nearly two years, we're revisiting Matt Zinder's advice on how to be well and cope with the stress and change that the pandemic has brought. Matt walked us through several techniques for stress management and mindfulness in this podcast. This episode and the one to follow, where Matt actually guides us through a 10 to 15 minute spoken meditation, are just as helpful, if not more so now, as they were nearly two years ago. Just this week, my local health system in Maine has been hit harder with COVID-19 patients than at any time in the pandemic. Our local level one trauma center is completely full with patients. We've suspended all surgical cases with the exception of true emergencies. And just today, we stood up an emergency ICU IMC unit in one of our PACUs to help alleviate the strain on our regular ICU staff and build capacity. After each wave that comes and goes in the pandemic, another one seems to follow. This has resulted in fatigue, stress, burnout, and frustration in many healthcare workers. Tens of thousands of healthcare workers have either left their jobs or hit the travel circuit. The reasons they are motivated to quit or take travel assignments are complex and multifactorial. However, this phenomenon in the middle of the pandemic has exacerbated the staffing crisis and strained health systems to levels not seen in modern times. Responding to COVID-19 and its variants with vaccines, boosters, and other therapies is crucial, but only one part of addressing the broader healthcare crisis in the U.S. Systemic change is needed. Research shows that about 80% of individual burnout can be attributed to factors that need to be addressed at the organizational or system level. While it's important to recognize that and put energy and intention into creating more functional organizations and healthcare systems, this podcast is about what we can do as individuals to bolster our resiliency during the pandemic. Matt Zinder is a CRNA and has worked at some level in healthcare for close to 25 years. He started out as an EMT in a volunteer fire station. He now owns and operates the Maryland-based mobile anesthesia practice, Zinder Anesthesia, LLC, that has been in business since 1984. It consists of over 20 practitioners and covers 50 locations throughout the state of Maryland. Matthew speaks at professional conferences, both nationally and internationally, involving topics such as stress management, business of anesthesia, hypnosis, and the practice of anesthesia. Matthew also has an active hypnotherapy practice that caters mainly to healthcare providers. He is the founder and director of Maryland Emergency Response, a disaster relief 501c3 nonprofit organization that works to aid victims following natural and or man-made disasters. Matthew has also served as the director for the Maryland Association of Nurse Anesthetists. Matt Zinder has made his email address public for questions, comments, or speaking engagements. It's Zinder. LLC at gmail.com, Z-I-N-D-E-R-L-L-C at gmail.com. That's on the website as well in the show notes, along with links to the various meditation apps, wellness apps, and books that we talk about during this podcast. Hope you enjoy it, and be sure to check out the next episode, episode 56, where Matt walks us through a guided meditation practice. You're going to love it. He's the quintessential dad soothing voice and episode 56 is definitely worth a listen. All right, on to the show. Well, Matt Zinder, welcome to the podcast. 
Thanks, John. I have really been looking forward to this. So thanks uh, very much for having me on. Yeah, I'm stoked about it. So your talks on wellness and mindfulness have been incredibly well received in anesthesia conferences nationally. And I wanted to get you on the podcast for a long time to talk about uh, wellness in general and mindfulness. I'm super stoked that we're taking the opportunity this week to discuss these topics now in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. So from like a 10,000 foot view, what's the message that you want anesthesia and other healthcare providers to hear right now? Well, first of all, self-care. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, I was an EMT uh, 25 years ago. That's where I started my healthcare career. And I'll never forget that first day, the first day of the course uh, where we were training to be EMTs, the first thing they taught us was something called scene safety. And that means assess the scene first to make sure you're going to be safe entering it. Because if you enter a scene that is not safe, there may be two victims to save instead of just one. So the message that I always send to people in healthcare or anywhere else is you have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of anyone else. Because if you're not healthy, you're not going to be healthy enough to take care of anyone. So self-care is incredibly important. And I, I think that from experience, I have observed a lot of people, you know, putting that to the wayside because it does take time. It does take effort. But then eventually you will become a person that someone else has to take care of. Yeah, I think that's a great line. And I think that's something that a lot of healthcare providers are stressed out about right now. And society in general is what happens when our healthcare providers uh, start coming down with coronavirus and get ill themselves. So anything that we could do to take care of ourselves in the meantime uh, is probably going to be very helpful. It's incredibly important. Uh, the first thing we have to think about is what can we do to, you know, and the very basis of biology, what can we do and what kind of steps can we take to increase our immunity to, you know, to this virus and any other, uh, uh, biology, you know, negative biology that's going around. Uh, and they're very simple, but sometimes it takes effort and time and people kind of, you know, they, they don't practice it because they're so busy taking care of others or taking care of their personal lives and things like that. And their immunity suffers as a result and they're more prone to get sick themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious if we could step back and, and, talk a little bit about, you know, stress management for healthcare providers has been something that you're not just now focusing on. This has been a, an interest of yours for a long time. And you've spoken about stress management and wellness at anesthesia conferences for years. So what got you interested in helping providers understand and achieve wellness in their lives? Well, quite honestly, just like I said, it, it, uh, it started with self-preservation. Uh, I, uh, you know, have my own practice in uh, in the state of Maryland. And so not only, you know, because we all know in, in, the, in the profession of anesthesia, it, you know, the profession of anesthesia is stressful. We have a stressful job. And, uh, and on top of that, running an anesthesia practice is also incredibly stressful. So I felt like I had kind of a, you know, double stress, depending on, you know, what was going on with the practice on top of going into the OR every day and dealing with uh, cases or problems. Uh, or whatever. So I, I went from an angle of self-preservation. I had, you know, already had some training in, you know, some uh, strategies for stress management. Uh, and obviously, you know, any healthcare provider knows 
general strategies because they understand how, you know, anatomy and physiology works, you know, things like exercise and, and relaxation and things like that. But again, we tend to let them go by the wayside because we're so busy in our lives. So I started to feel the effects of chronic stress on my own health. And as soon as I started to take notice of it, I started to practice it myself and I got immediate and dramatic positive results. And from that, I had already been on the lecture circuit talking about things like business of anesthesia, clinical topics, things like that. I started to integrate what I had experienced into new talks on stress management for healthcare providers uh, because I felt like since I had had such a, a positive uh, outcome from these from these practices, I wanted to spread the word and try to get others to to uh, practice them as well. Because I, from personal experience, know how incredibly stressful it is to be a healthcare provider. Yeah, and and as you've adopted these techniques, I mean, have you seen a change in your personal life? Absolutely dramatic. Uh, in fact, you could ask my wife. <laughs> you know, she's she is has commented on how it has changed my personality for the better. Because again, when we are very stressed, it is normal that our personalities change. Because, you know, uh, you know to, to quote a few things from uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who wrote The Biology of Belief, you know, he has an excellent lecture on, on his book uh, online, if you want to look at it on uh, YouTube. He talks about what stress does to biology or the biology and uh, our personalities. And one of the things is when we are super stressed, we are constantly in fight or flight. Well, when we are in fight or flight, blood is shunted away from the thinking and rational centers of our brains to the reflexive area of our brains. So when we are in fight or flight, we are less intelligent. That's why we have a hard time thinking straight when we are highly stressed. It also affects our mood. It also affects how we respond to the outside world. So when you get you know, control over that and when you manage that properly, then you are in parasympathetic. You are in, you know, uh, you are in growth. You are in healing, and it also affects how you respond to the outside world, which is calmer, you know, more, uh, more relaxed. And your personality, obviously, at least mine, improved as a as a result because I was, you know, I was not as stressed because I started to take control over it. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think in our society, we're so focused on productivity. And just charging through the day that sometimes these techniques of relaxation and mindfulness seem very counterproductive. But in fact, part of the mystery of it is that those are the things that can actually pave the way for you to be more productive, for you to be healthier and better prepared to meet your day. 100%. I mean, there have been studies where you can, you know, from a corporate standpoint, comparing two corporations together. One corporation is all about production and pushing and pressure. And another corporation has support measures in place for their, their workforce. And they show at the end of the day, which corporation is more productive. And it, and as you know, you can well imagine, and what we're talking about here is the ones that have supports in place end up being the more productive ones because they have the healthier workforce. That's really interesting. Let's let's talk about the current COVID-19 pandemic a little bit and just put some verbiage to what's in the air, the stress that people are feeling. Um, today is March 17th, 2020, when we're recording this. So we're really kind of, um, as 
as one uh, podcaster put it recently, we're in, many of us are in the moment before the moment. This is kind of the tension in the air of uh, being in that moment before we really know how bad this outbreak is going to be in the United States. And I think that's really weighing heavily on a lot of people's minds. Can you speak for a moment about uh, what you've seen and kind of the vibe you've picked up from the national media and other healthcare providers in terms of how people are coping with uh, the moment that we're in? Well, I think we have a collective stress going on right now, and it starts with fear of the unknown because, you know, this this moment in time is going to be in the history books. This is unprecedented, uh, and anyone that is, you know, worried about their jobs, anyone that has to leave the home for their jobs, uh, anyone that's in healthcare is is understandably stressed right now because we don't know what's going to happen. There are a lot of projections. We can take notes from Italy and China on what might happen if we don't get a handle on it. And that's completely understandable and it's completely normal. Uh, and one of the other problems is the misinformation that is out there as far as, you know, what the media might be reporting, depending on what outlet you go to, or obviously you're going to get misinformation on the internet. So the general recommendation is for those who feel better by having more information is to get all of your information from the CDC, uh, and, and base your behavior and your, and the recommendations on what they are putting out. Uh, if you want more of a global perspective, World Health Organization is also a reputable source. But anything else is hearsay as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so that's where one source of, of higher stress is coming from is possibly misinformation and also fear of the unknown. Yeah, I think that's a great message to put out there. It's been interesting as, as I have consumed the media, when you look at popular news outlets like the 24-hour news cycle, TV channels, and that kind of stuff, Facebook, social media, Instagram, Twitter, the presidential briefings. There's definitely a different tone in all of those outlets than going to more of a direct source like the CDC, the World Health Organization. Uh, as a healthcare provider wanting to dig a little bit deeper into what the healthcare community is saying, the New England Journal of Medicine and the Journal of the American Medical Association have made all of their publications, peer-reviewed journal articles, and data freely available to the public on their websites. So I've spent some time reading uh, about the pandemic in, in those outlets. And I think just having information that is factual can be so helpful in framing uh, decision-making and uh, how people are feeling and how healthcare providers should be responding at this time. Absolutely. I mean, proper information is imperative. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is, you know, even the CDC is kind of, you know, you can tell they're kind of in uncharted waters. They've, you know, a lot of individuals have predicted this eventually coming and saying, hey, get prepared, but now we're in it. And they're still trying to figure out what this virus is going to do or how to get it under control. You know, we're learning as we as we go. So it is very important to go to the outlets that are giving proper information and kind of staying away from uh, from the ones that really don't know. They're guessing, uh, and you know, unless you want some entertainment value, which some of them are. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, you really should stick to the you know to the authorities. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to talk about how the pandemic is affecting your business. So you run an anesthesia staffing business in Maryland that staffs outpatient surgery centers across the state. How has this affected your staff and the sites where they provide services? Well, I am starting to get cancellations. So what I cover, I have a mobile anesthesia group, and it covers a freestanding single specialty surgeon-owned facilities throughout the state of Maryland, as you said. So uh, these are all facilities that are owned by surgeons. Uh, so we do no hospital work. Uh, we're not affiliated with any hospitals. And because of that, we're in kind of a little bit of a different niche where, you know, the, the government has come out and said all elective surgery should be canceled pretty much immediately. And that makes sense because the hospitals need their beds. We can't do an elective surgery and have an issue and have someone who just had, you know, uh, um, a, I don't know, a total knee have to stay overnight because they did some extra bleeding or something like that because that takes a bed. So all elective surgeries need to be canceled. So if we do need extra beds for the virus patients, we have them. Uh, we need to put off all the elective surgeries. However, my realm there are all the elective surgeries that we do. Everyone goes home. Yeah. So I am wondering if my business is going to get busier, but right now we are experiencing cancellations because I think, again, people are nervous. They don't know what to expect. You know, other outlets are saying, or other authorities are saying, don't leave the house if you don't have to. Um, right. So they're saying, well, this is an elective surgery. I don't need to get it now. I'm going to reschedule. Uh, so we do still have facilities up and running, uh, I spoke to one of my busier ones this morning, and the surgeon has said, we are going to be running five days a week for now until we can't, but we only want one provider for all those five days a week, which is difficult for me. Uh, I was able to negotiate two, <laughs> so, but it's it's very hard. And then I'm also getting uh, text messages and phone calls from my providers saying, hey, are we going to have work? Yeah. So it's the same worry that pretty much everybody has, whether you're working at, you know, whether you're working at Target or Walmart or whether you're working in a hospital or, you know, at a restaurant. We're all kind of worried about what's to come and are we going to have work coming up? Um, so right now there are some cancellations, but we do still have cases on the books. So we'll see what happens in the next few weeks because things have been happening pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, folks, this is John. We just switched with Matt Zender from a landline to a cell phone. We were getting a little bit of blips in the audio, and I wanted to come through as cleanly as possible for you. So uh, Matt Zender is back with us on a cell phone now. Hey, hopefully you can <laughs> hear me a little better. <laughs> exactly. So, well, Matt, I want to talk to you um, about some of the specific stress management techniques that you have found most beneficial for reducing stress and generating a mindful approach to life. For healthcare providers, we know that this is an incredibly stressful time for all the reasons that we've talked about so far on the podcast. But what would you tell people uh, in terms of techniques that they could employ and practice in their lives today? Okay, so uh, a few come to mind. Now, obviously, stress management and stress management techniques are—you know—that's a very elaborate subject that we could talk about for many hours. But uh, the first thing, you know, or there's there's a few that come to mind right away. Uh, first of all. Uh, and this might be intuitive, it may not be, uh, but I know that this, there is a chronic lack of this in our society, and that is sleep. Uh, it is incredibly important, not only in normal times, but especially now. Uh, everyone out there should be 
giving themselves a non-negotiable seven to nine hours of sleep opportunity every night. Now, that's, that's an, again, that's in normal times. I should say there is nothing that sleep does not touch in our biology hmm. from a positive or a negative standpoint, depending on how much you're getting. It is in charge of healing. It's in charge of, you know, memory formation. It's in charge of maintenance of our entire body. And it, and it, it does regulate immunity. Uh, and, you know, if you don't get certain stages and all stages of sleep, which cycles every 90 minutes, then you're not properly resetting your body and, and maintaining its health. Uh, so, you know, it also, as far as stress management is concerned, it is a maintenance of our mental health. That's what REM sleep is for. So if you do not experience all of your, you know, stages and REM sleep stage one through four and REM sleep, you are robbing yourself of this incredibly important maintenance. Yeah. So uh, folks should uh, turn off Facebook, get off social media, do some yeah. sleep prep techniques or, you know, just block out that time to get really good sleep at night. Give yourself an hour before you go to sleep. Turn off the devices. Never bring a device into the bedroom. Turn off the TV. Try not to watch TV in bed. In fact, there really shouldn't be any televisions in, you know, in the bedroom either. They say that the only thing a bedroom should be for is sleep and intimacy and nothing else because your mind starts to make associations. And if your mind associates your bedroom also with watching TV, then it will introduce issues with sleeping. They also say if you're having trouble sleeping, don't roll around in bed. Don't, you know, stay in bed staring at the ceiling. Give yourself 15 to 20 minutes to fall back asleep or get up and leave the room and go elsewhere and read or something like that. Because again, your body or your mind will associate that stressful or restless time with not sleeping. So you want to make associations in, you know, with your bedroom as well. Uh, you want to keep it a dark space and you also want to keep it cool, 68 degrees or lower. Because you do not fall asleep unless your body temperature drops two to three degrees. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. You should always have your room where you're sleeping cool. The reasons that we say do not use a device before bedtime is because your device is emitting an LED blue light. That blue light 100% blocks melatonin. Hmm. Melatonin is required to fall asleep. It is the hormone or the inner drug or whatever you want to call it. It is the substance that regulates your circadian rhythm. It is not responsible for sleep or keeping you asleep, but it is responsible for regulating your circadian rhythm, which is also very important, obviously, for sleep. So that's why they say don't put the devices in the room. Stop using them as soon as you can before you go to bed. Yeah. You know? at least half hour to an hour, I would say. Yeah, that's great. Now, before we hit record, you were telling me about one of the main books that you're pushing right now, which we're going to put links to, you know, half dozen or so resources that you've suggested for folks in the show notes of the podcast on the website. But uh, you were talking about this book, Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I consider this book required reading for all humans. This is an absolutely amazing I better, book. I better get on it then. <laughs> I'm telling you, I highly recommend it. Anyone who was ever a reader, I have physically placed this book in their hands. Uh, and I just cannot say enough about it. He writes with such skill. 
that any PhD can write, can read it and not feel like it's been dumbed down and any lay person can read it and totally understand it. He, it is incredibly skillful writing and what you'll read in it will change your life. It will, you will truly understand how important sleep is and, you know, in, from every level. And, uh, it, it really, it, it will change your perspective. Uh, I highly recommend this book and it's easy and it's an easy read too, because of how skillful his writing is. Oh, that's great. And so that is why we sleep by Matthew Walker. For those of you who, yeah. uh, are not going to surf to the website and check that out. So why we sleep by Matthew Walker. Well, we should probably say that neither one of us has any financial, uh, attract, you know, a connection to anything that we're re- recommending today, but, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just um, just highly recommend it. Yeah, for sure. Well, Matt, what other techniques would you recommend that folks beyond getting good sleep? Uh, if folks are feeling kind of the tension or the stress buildup throughout the day, is there anything that they can do while they're awake to help manage stress? Absolutely. So number one, again, back to being simple, breathing exercises. So uh, I teach this on a regular basis. I am part of a program where I discuss stress management techniques with uh, students in healthcare training, you know, anesthesia training, things like that. Obviously, uh, they're under a lot of pressure in normal times as well. Uh, People who are about to take their boards. And the first thing that we discuss, or one of the first things we discuss are breathing exercises. Uh, It is not surprising that this is part of military training. There is something that the SEALs uh, do called box breathing. And it's very simple. I do the, I teach a little bit something different, but this is a perfect example of how relevant this is. Uh, the box breathing is basically in for five, hold for five, out for five, hold for five. And you just keep going around that circle or that box, uh, for, you know, a series of three, four or five of those in a row. And when you do that, at the end of that exercise, you will feel a complete release of tension. Mm. You'll feel completely relaxed. Now, the SEALs do it for 10 minutes straight, which would make normal people pass out, uh, <laughs> me included. Uh, but obviously, they are of a completely different fitness level. But they are doing it to calm themselves down in the most stressful of situations, right. putting your life on the line. Uh, so... There is a reason for it. And, and, and by the way, every single thing that I teach, everything, every single thing that I talk about is backed by empirical Western medicine research and science. You can look up any of these techniques, any of the things that we talk about, and you will find research in New England Journal, Pain, JAMA, AANA Journal, and you'll find research that backs efficacy. Because sometimes a person might say, well, I'm not going to do that because it's one of those new age techniques that, you know, I, I don't believe in or something like that. But and, and I'm not putting down the new age lifestyle either, because, you know, if you know anyone that lives the new age sort of lifestyle, they're some of the happiest, most contented people you ever meet, <laughs> uh, you know, and there's but there's a reason for that, because some of these activities, you know, are incredibly effective. However, some of the activities that are in that sort of lifestyle may lend itself to placebo effect. However, everything that I teach, everything I talk about, everything I practice myself is backed by research, just to throw in that little extra caveat. Um, Now, the breathing exercises that I talk about and teach are very, very simple. They're, They're basically abdominal breathing. 
So what I usually tell audiences is I'll say, everybody take a deep breath. And what I'll always see in the audience when everybody takes a deep breath is people are scrunching up their shoulders and their neck muscles and their chest muscles and they're taking the deep breath. Then I'll declare, okay, everybody did it wrong. We're going to try something different. And I say, okay, we're going to do an exercise now. And we're going to get, what we're going to do is we're going to pretend that there's a balloon in our belly. And when we take this deep breath, we're going to only inflate that balloon, meaning we're going to be doing abdominal breathing. We're not going to use our chest, shoulder, and neck muscles to take this deep breath. And then I say, if that's lost on anyone, that's okay. What you can do is when you take that deep breath, you can put your hands behind your head. And for some reason, and I don't know what that reason is, when you put your hands behind your head, you can only take an abdominal breath. So basically what the exercise is, and it's very important to make it very slow, because if you do it quickly, it can actually have the opposite effect, make you feel like you're hyperventilating. So you want to do this very slowly, but the exercise is you take a good, slow, deep abdominal breath in through your nose, hold it for as long as it's comfortable, then let it exit slowly from your mouth. It's just that simple. But what you want to do is a set of three or four of those in a row. And when you do a set of three or four of those in a row, very slowly, taking a good two to five minutes to do it, you will find, again, that you will have a complete release of tension and you'll feel completely relaxed. Yeah, super interesting. I've been uh, practicing you know, a version of boxed breathing in my clinical practice uh, for the last couple of years after coming across it through Scott Weingart's work on MCRIT. Uh, he referenced a lot of the uh, military use of breathing techniques to calm nerves to focus vision and basically to control your heart rate that obviously as we know is anesthetist um you know as you are able to take a deeper breath and slow your breathing down that has uh, a joint effect with calming your heart rate and bringing your whole um, sympathetic surge uh, back under control so uh, when i say clinical practice in those stressful moments, when there's an emergency going on, when you need to focus, when it comes to a difficult intubation, to calm yourself down, you know, oftentimes we're scurrying to prepare medications and airway equipment and that kind of stuff and to get everything right. But then when it comes time to focus and perform a skill, whether that's putting a line in or putting um, an endotracheal tube in, calming yourself down through a box breathing technique can really help. So that's been something that's been super helpful. And you do feel that release of tension after you do a few cycles of that. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it is within the research now that breathing exercises or something they call breath work is a way to take control over the autonomic nervous system. It has been shown in the research now. So what was otherwise thought to be an involuntary nervous system is controllable. And it is through breathing exercises. So again, when we are in fight or flight, we have certain conditions. Those certain conditions are to survive. Blood is shunted to certain areas like the extremities away from the viscera. What does that mean? We are shutting down or incredibly, you know, diminishing to an incredible level, the immune system, because, you know, think about it. If we are in fight or flight, we are not healing. Our immune system is shut off or diminished. So we have to take steps to get ourselves back to the parasympathetic, which is where our hard wiring exists for self-repair. Uh, and if we are constantly in fight or flight or constantly stressed, then we are, we are diminishing our immune system to an incredible level. And one of the things that we can do 
are these breathing exercises because not only are they good for acute situations, if you do them on a regular basis, pretty much anytime you think of them, you are maintaining a certain conditions for immunity, for parasympathetic system, all the things that are necessary for growth and immunity, which yeah. is obviously important right now. Yeah, that's great. I'm curious to know what other techniques you'd like to tell healthcare providers or other tips that you would give them when they're facing, again, just this cloud of uncertainty and stress in relation to the current pandemic. I highly recommend that people start to practice daily mindfulness meditation. Now, again, you hear the word meditation, you start to think, uh oh, you know, now he's going into the new world, you know, new age world, you know, that sort of thing. Again, this is all backed by incredible empirical research. If you look at the effects of a daily mindfulness meditation practice, they have shown unbelievable changes in physiology for the good, for the positive. Uh, you can see an actual change in your gray matter where areas of the brain that are geared for compassion and memory and empathy actually grow and areas of gray matter that are geared for negativity and conflict actually shrink. And now, so what does that, what does that look like for the, the average person? Okay. Well, Again, when you break it down and when you understand exactly what mindfulness meditation is, you'll understand why it really should not be lumped in with, you know, some of the more metaphysical activities. All mindfulness meditation is, is practicing an activity where you're only focusing on the present moment. Now, it really is just that simple. Now, why would one want to do that? Well, because what is constantly filling our brains at all times? Thoughts of the past and thoughts of the future. You know, thoughts of the past. What just happened? What could I have done differently? I'm obsessing about myself. I'm obsessing about others. And then thoughts of the future. What's coming up? What do I have to think about? What do I have to prepare for? What am I worried about? You know, put in negative terms, they say that Thoughts of the, you know, depression comes from thoughts of the past and anxiety comes from thoughts of the future. So if you spin that around and say, well, what can I do to remedy that? Well, the, the point of mindfulness meditation is to quiet your mind. If you're only thinking of the present moment or some activity that's happening in the present moment, you're essentially eliminating those thoughts of past and future and you're quieting your mind. So how does one do it? Well, First of all, I recommend a couple apps um, because to get started in the practice right away, even with no training whatsoever, even or even knowing what it is, you can go to apps that give you guided meditations and they'll tell you exactly what to do. You just sit down. Obviously, you want to be uninterrupted during the time that you've chosen to meditate. I recommend between five and 15 minutes a day, every day. Uh, you want to make it a daily practice. Yeah, that's really, uh, it's really not that much. I mean, it's not, you I think know, a lot of people think about like they're spending their entire morning kind of, you know, cross-legged on the floor with their eyes closed, right. but I do it in a chair because my back can't take sitting cross-legged on the floor. So you can do it in any position as long as you're relaxed. Uh, that's the great thing again, also about mindfulness meditation is the, the, you know, there is no hard and fast rule about how you do it. Yeah. They even say that if you have one minute and you actively meditate for one minute, you've meditated for that day. Oh, yeah. 
there's no excuse, <laughs> you know, to, to not do it. Yeah, I think so, people can spare a minute. Yeah. So, and again, you know, five to fifteen minutes daily is is really effective. If you can do longer, that's great. But shorter is fine too. So you said there's uh, a couple apps that you would recommend. Yes. So one of them is called Insight Timer. The good thing about that app is, first of all, it's free. And the second is it literally has 35,000 free guided meditations on it. That's the one I personally use. It's an excellent, excellent app. Another one that I also use and and like is called 10% Happier. Mm -hmm. Now, 10% Happier does generally cost money. However, they are giving all healthcare providers free six-month memberships. Oh, that's great. Which I think is really great of them to do. If you, and this will be in the show notes, I believe. But yeah, if yeah, you we've got links email, soon. Yeah, if you email them care, C-A-R-E, at 10%, spell out the 10, care at 10%.com, tell them that you're a healthcare provider. They will then send you directions to access the content for six months for free. That's awesome. Because they're recognizing what healthcare providers are going through right now. Yeah. So. That is also a great app because it is filled with guided meditations, but it's also filled with courses on how to do meditation uh, and other stress management content. It's also, you know, it's basically, it was put out by uh, Dan Harris, who is an anchor on ABC News. He has become uh, a spokesperson for mindfulness meditation throughout the world uh, because of his own personal experience with it. He also wrote a book called 10% Happier, which I highly recommend if you want to learn more about meditation. And he has a follow-up book called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, which is also a great book. And it really is about how to quiet your mind because that was his issue. That's awesome. So, yeah. And we'll, we'll put links to all of that in the show notes. And, and I would uh, throw in a testimonial plug. We interviewed uh, our mutual friend, uh, Tracy Young, on the business of anesthesia a couple of shows back. And the three of us, Matt, Tracy, and myself, have been speaking uh, for Cornerstone Anesthesia with Jamie Reuter for the last couple of years and have had the pleasure of interacting with each other at those conferences. And the last time I saw Tracy in person, he was kind of chuckling about your talks on mindfulness and uh, meditation and stuff and said, you know, I've, I've listened to Matt speak on that for years. And then he finally decided to try it. And Tracy raves about it. He picked up that app that you talked about. Insight timer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he takes five minutes, usually towards uh, the afternoon, he turns through his morning, he's productive and that kind of stuff. And right about the time that he's starting to feel grumpy and kind of burn out in mid afternoon, he'll take five minutes and work through one of the free meditation, uh, programs on that app. And then he says it totally resets the rest of his day. He's able to get work done and finish out the day with um, a fair bit of positivity. So, so that was interesting to hear. I'm going to have to try, try this out in the next few days. You know, I have to say the, the first time that I ever did a guided meditation, I was, I'll never forget the moment. Actually, I was incredibly stressed. I had a di very difficult day in the OR. I was having a very difficult time with the practice uh, I was shorthanded. It was just all around very difficult time. And this was a few years ago now. And I pulled into my driveway at the end of the day, feeling very bad. And I pulled up an app. I didn't get out of my car. Uh, and I pulled up an app. This was another app called Aura, uh, which is also, it also costs money, but they give you one free three minute guided meditation a day. And I sat in my car and I played that three minute guided meditation and I felt immediate results. And 
I was hooked from then on. It was, it was that quick. Uh, and from then on, I can tell you that one of the first things that struck me after starting a daily practice was how I responded differently to what I otherwise would have perceived as a stressful moment. Because, you know, what bothers us about stress in the first place? It's the physical response, the high heart rate, the, the sweating, the, you know, the, the feeling of fight or flight. It's that physical response. Well, I still perceived those situations as possibly stressful, but I didn't get that physical response, which obviously made me feel so much better about it. And by the way, I was able to think things through a lot better and more effectively. So I really felt amazing results when I started to, to practice on a daily basis. And again, I practice what I preach. So uh, one of the other good things about Insight Timer app is it keeps track of what of what you do, you know, how many consecutive days, how many times you've uh, meditated. And I think I'm up to day 500. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So it really is uh, become part of my life. Definitely. Yeah, daily habit. Yeah. And, and if folks were uh, thinking the aura was coming through the audio, it definitely was. I was, <laughs> I was, if you caught that sound a minute ago while Matt was talking, I was pulling up an app that I have used. Speaking of, kind of tie to all these things together. There's just a free like white noise machine thing uh, that I have used for going to sleep. And sometimes when my, when my mind is really busy and I just can't shut down, you know, all of the ideas, uh, you know, it's often not worry for me. It's more of uh, creativity and ideas and things that I'm thinking about for the podcast and talks and stuff at work that's coming up. So always working on lots of different projects. When I can't quiet those things down, Using a guided meditation that is designed to help you fall asleep is something that has been really helpful for me. It's super soothing uh, voice that comes over. It focuses on breathing techniques, and then it slowly kind of fades out, you know, with the white noise in the background. And my wife actually tells me that I can't use it often because I fall asleep way faster than she does, and then I start <laughs> snoring loudly. <laughs> but it's been super effective. So. Uh, well, in closing, Matt, you know, you're a healthcare provider, you're a leader of a successful anesthesia business. Uh, you've been focusing on wellness professionally in your career and teaching on that for a long time, but you're also a father and I believe a husband as well. Speak for a moment just about how you've responded personally to this pandemic and how your family's responded and how you all are looking forward to the coming weeks. You know, my wife and I have described what's going on to my children. I have a nine and a 12 year old and, you know, they still don't really understand what's happening. They're still outside playing. We keep talking to them about the concept of social distancing. But, you know, I read yesterday that kids really shouldn't be playing with other kids, which is so difficult. Uh, and, you know, but they just think that they're part they're They're experiencing an early summer vacation right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. School's uh, out. Right. So we are really trying to describe what's going on. They know there's something odd going on because they are picking up one, you know, the anxiety of the adults, which children do so well. It, and it's interesting because my family, we tend to eat out a lot and we're not doing that anymore. So yeah. that was something that was <laughs> that was very new to them. Um, but other than that, you know, they're still kids and, you know, we are describing what they need to do. The extra hand washing, the the social distancing. Uh, and keeping things clean, but we are still having to remind them on a regular basis, which is fine. Uh, yeah. My wife is very grounded. My wife is also a counseling, you know, PhD counseling psychologist. 
she is very grounded. Obviously, she knows all of what I'm talking about and more. Uh, and, you know, we're trying to be anchors for each other. Um, oh, that's but, you know, uh, but she is a stay at home mom right now. So I know I'm I'm dealing with a lot less stress than most other households in the United States right now because we have someone home to take care of the kids while I still go to work if I still have it to go to. Yeah. So I know that is obviously a major stress for, for many people uh, is what do we do with the kids now? Because I've still got to go to work. Right. Right. So, you know, from a, from a standpoint of how we're dealing with it, we're, uh, I mean, from a lighthearted kind of way, from my experience in disaster relief, uh, I am a disaster prepper. So we have everything in the house that we possibly need. And we did before this even started. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, that's not a worry for us. Um, you know, we have lots of supplies and things like that, but you know, it's more of the mental aspect of it. Like I'm, I'm probably the most stressed out one of the, of my household. Uh, <laughs> maybe, you know, I ha- maybe I should have, maybe I should have done the podcast with your wife. <laughs> You, you know what? You probably should because uh, she knows a heck of a lot more than I do. But oh, that's awesome. She's the smartest person I know. Oh, that's but, great. But it's just because you know it's almost one of those things where I'm I'm kind of tasked with figuring out if the practice is going to survive, keeping my providers working, yeah, and then also you know making sure that the family is is safe and healthy as well. So it's all kind of like you know back to that whole preparedness mentality where thinking about the future and what should I try to think about and what should I be prepared for? But then we don't really know what's coming. So it's, that's where kind of that anxiety comes from, but that's why I engage actively in all of these management activities right? because there is a lot going on. That's for sure. Yeah. It helps keep you anchored. Well, Matt, I'm so thankful that you offered your time today to bring this message to CRNAs and other anesthesia and healthcare providers that are out there. We should say that uh, folks should stay tuned before we hit record this morning, we were talking about you preparing an actual guided relaxation session that we're going to record on the podcast, uh, maybe later today, maybe in the coming days and get that out there for folks where it will, well, and you've done this at conferences nationally. So it's, it's not unusual for you to lead people in a, uh, guided relaxation session, but, um, we're going to get that out on the podcast for folks. So it will be a clip that has a short intro for folks that didn't hear this episode that will just tell people what they're going to hear. And then you'll be walking through people, something that they could play over and over again for free uh, through the website. So that would be coming out. But with that said, is there anything else that you want folks to know uh, before we leave today? You know, just kind of circle back and, and just try to get people to think about self-care first. You know, people have to take steps to be healthy right now. And even though that may not be part of what they, you know, what their current lifestyle is like. They need to think about how to increase immunity, how to stay as healthy as humanly possible, because that's what all the experts are saying. The best way to fight this virus is to maximize your health. And that does take effort. So not only should you engage in these types of stress management activities, which I, of course, highly recommend and practice myself, but you obviously need to get proper sleep. You need to eat right. You need to stay hydrated. Get that vitamin D when the sun is out or or take a supplement. Take the vitamins, you know, maximize health as best you understand how. 
And we do all understand it because we're healthcare providers. Yeah, I think that that's such a great uh, word to put out there and, and something that um, that I've definitely embraced for myself this last week. Uh, spring is starting to warm um, here in southern Maine. So we've had some incredibly beautiful sunny days, you know, taking the opportunity to eat well, to get, you know, good rhythms of sleep, to stay hydrated. Obviously, all that stuff about washing hands and cleaning surfaces. But, you know, we've been going outside and going for runs and taking deep breaths and trying to play with our dogs and just uh, enjoy the season that is going on because I feel like that's one of the best things that we can do while we are still healthy, um, given the fact that we're going to be entering back into the hospital later this week to take care of folks. So, um, yeah, so just trying to stay healthy while you can and uh, take it one day at a time. Absolutely. That's all we can do at this point. Yeah. Well, Matt Zender, thank you so much again. And folks, stay tuned. You'll hear more from Matt Zender in an upcoming podcast. Thanks very much, John. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, y'all. John here. If you're digging the show, will you take a couple of minutes and drop a review of Anesthesia Guidebook on Apple Podcasts? Your comments and ratings help other people trust the show. Also, send a link to the podcast to your classmates and colleagues. Word of mouth is the best way for Guidebook to grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.